0: Well, hey there, everybody, and welcome to Friday, casual Friday edition of Hangouts and Headlines. Now, of course, as I said yesterday, we covered a lot of She-Hulk and streaming on Thursday, so I guess maybe that was casual Thursday. So we're having double casual Friday here. I hope everybody is excited about that. I know I'm happy To be getting towards the end of the week, we of course have Lawyers and Dragons tomorrow. So every day is a streaming day in Hoag House, except for next week. We've talked about that before. We'll talk about it again uh, at the end of this episode. But how is everyone? Uh, Because as you probably saw from the thumbnail, which I know came up late, uh, and folks are always getting on me for not getting those placeholders up fast enough. If I don't put up a note at about six in the morning my time that there's not going to be a show, I'm going to make it going to make it. It just is a matter of exactly how close to the launch time of the episode we're going to be when I put up that show title. So, trust me, I did get some messages. I really appreciate it actually. It's it's nice to know if I have like a medical emergency or something, people will at least note it. They, they won't maybe not take another step. They'll be like, "Hey, huh, Rick is uh Rick isn't here." Interesting. And then they'll go find something else on YouTube. But in any event, I really appreciate you guys reaching out and I'm excited to have a fun Friday stream with you all. I've also uh, been talking with my wife, and she's been talking with people on her social media accounts about folks that are interested in board games and the initiative that we've talked about a bunch this week. She had a conversation, I think, with the people that made the game on, I want to say it was Instagram, but I get them all mixed up. So I think it was Instagram. Um, And we might start doing some more board game discussions or otherwise because people seem really interested uh, in that topic. We'll see. Uh, but we're having a lot of fun here, and uh, I want to uh, I want to talk with you all this morning. As you can see, it's clearly Friday over here at Hogue House as well, uh, and we're going to take it relaxed this morning and chilled out and having fun. Uh, so where are we calling in from? We got Cincinnati, Ohio. We've got just, hi, Mr. Hogue. Uh, it's going too fast here. We're going we're to slow this up. We're going to take it down a notch, folks. It's a casual Friday. Hoag Law. How are you doing today? I'm waking up a little slower than usual. Not gonna lie, B. But I'm happy to be here. My wife brought me tea. Tea's gonna take effect in no time. We're gonna chat about Bridgerton again. Uh, I actually think it's pretty interesting. This the Bridgerton story is kind of late developing, right? So we covered this in this space as it happened because you know, obviously, we want to do these things right. Uh, but uh, CNN Business took its time. And put together an article that covers a lot of the same ground, but does it in a different way. Talks about it in a different um, angle or two. Got a got a copyright lawyer from Los Angeles. It might be the most snarky lawyer quote that I have ever seen in an article. Uh, so you can be you can be ready for that one. Even I, jaded corporate lawyer, uh, looked at it and said that's rather unbelievable. And it really was. Uh, so get excited for that one. That one actually finishes off the article because it has that level of snark. Uh, so we'll get to that today. Uh, but I just thought it was very, very interesting. Uh, any chance there will be some singing from you today since it's casual Friday? I don't know, maybe humming? Uh, maybe a, a, a light melody of some kind? I don't uh, I don't think I will be singing today, but who knows? You never know. We, we go where the mood takes us, uh, right? And so we will we will see. I know what I won't be singing is Bridgerton the Musical, or we also have a reference to a, a, a Hamilton show here uh in the in the articles that kind of cascade from one another. Uh, so you can get excited about that too. Uh let's see here. Snarkier than Mr. Chu. Yes. Well, first of all, Ben Chu in Johnny Depp versus Amber Heard, as we could tell from the release documents, his highest level of snark was reserved for private commentary, particularly to Elaine Bredahoff. This is a CNN correspondent asks you for a quote and um, you're just the biggest, you know what, lawyer, right? When people think of lawyers and they think of them haughtily sitting upon their perches, and judging others from our Esquire title and more. It always looks like what this quote is at the end of the CNN article. So it's linked in the description. If you want to get ahead of the things and you want to spoil it, you want to let chat know that it is as bad as I say. I am not uh, overselling this. It was very much uh, a lawyer being uh, a lawyer. Uh, let's see here. What else we got? Uh, snarkier than a snark who snarks. Exactly. Although now I start feeling like I'm in Willy Wonka or some other world doll book. Uh, lawyers bring extra snark in depositions. Sure. Sure. Uh, you know, opposing counsel likes to be opposing counsel. Here, it's just an article to a journalist, right? You don't have to be this way, but you chose to. So, you know, that's a choice. We all choose things. We all choose choices in our life. Uh, and uh, this lawyer chose uh, to be to be snarky. Uh, what else we have? Good evening from Japan, as always. Can confirm today was casual. Nice all right i like to hear it i like to hear it good morning from west coast best coast oh i don't know i mean we have a lot of different coasts represented here um i think and not only that we have a lot of different countries so the west coast of a different country might not even be the west coast you're talking about uh but good morning that sarah i hope you're doing well uh good early morning from seattle it's ridiculous it's still ridiculous that people get up on the west coast with me i really appreciate that sarah i really appreciate it chub toad coffee cup emoji Absolutely. My Hangouts and Headlines mug, virtual legality in there. You can kind of see it. Bright lights, b- big city. You know how it is. Uh, good morning from West Virginia with the Hoag Dragon emoji, Hog Spicy emoji. Not spicy yet. Probably not likely to get spicy in this particular discussion because, frankly, we're just going to be chatting about Bridgerton. We're going to be chatting about light stuff. It's become apparent that streaming and the streaming wars are going to be a topic here. Uh, because they are so interesting and because these corporations are moving around. And speaking of moving around, I did a virtual legality yesterday, if you're at all interested, that I am really quite fond of. I thought it went very, very well uh, that you can check out that was about the Embracer Group purchasing video game companies as they do, uh, but also Middle Earth Enterprises, uh, which is at least one of the companies that has intellectual property rights in The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. Um, so this, this Swedish video game cons- consortium uh, has purchased a significant leg of the uh, J.R.R. Tolkien intellectual property fiefdom. And I discussed that. I talk about it. I think it's like a 40-minute video. Uh, so if you're interested in that, check it out. I had a lot of fun with it. Um, uh, but yeah, you've got a lot of consolidation across a lot of industries right now. What else do we have? Good morning from Simi Valley. West Coast is the best coast Stop throwing shade, Hogue. It's totally fine. (laughs) Smiles and laughter emoji. Will L&D be same bat time, same bat channel? Uh, Yes. So Lawyers and Dragons, for those of you that don't know, uh, because I'm terrible at putting up some kind of public schedule, uh, because honestly, these things are coming together as we can do them. uh, And who can show up? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Um, So yes, the intent for Lawyers and Dragons is every Saturday at 10 a.m. Um, for the campaign running length. Uh, so we will see uh, what that uh, looks like in terms of any weeks that we have to move. That's why you'll see me say mostly weekly. Uh, but it will be 10 a.m. Saturdays for the foreseeable future, which actually reminds me, <laughs> I should really put up a, a placeholder for that. Uh, I will do that today, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's going to be every week. It's going to be Saturdays. It's going to be 10 a.m. It's going to be about a two, two and a half hour slot um, for that, uh, show. And I only ever say, you know, two, two and a half hours because Dungeons and Dragons, you, you land the plane as well as you can, as close to the mark of time as you can, but you never quite know. So it's, it's between two and three and, and closer to two. Um, so those will be weekly. Uh, thank you for asking, uh, again, <laughs> I'm terrible at actually advertising that sometimes. Uh, so I appreciate your, uh, your prompt there. Uh, We all choose choices in our life. Another Hoag t-shirt request. We do, though, don't we? We're choice makers, choice takers. We choose choices and we live those choices in our choice-driven life. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, Good morning from the coast of Lake Michigan, a.k.a. Milwaukee. Good morning, Milwaukee. Toothy emoji grin. Love it. Co-counsel says good morning, everyone, as we all wake up. Sardinism says, Lord of the things still laughing, though I haven't finished watching it yet. I love puns, right? The thumbnail says one group to embrace them all because they're the embracer group. And then, yes, I called it Lord of the things. What can I say? Uh, He's really proud of that video. Go check it out. I really had fun with it. You know, sometimes you get done with a video and, and you think, hmm, I don't know if I nailed that one. And inevitably, that's the viral video. That's the one the algorithm really likes. And then sometimes you get finished with them and I'm like, oh, I hope they see that one. That one is fantastic. And uh, like the opposite of the viral video, that's the one where people go, oh, that's, that's nice. And they, they give you a little pat on the head. And they're like, when are you going to talk about something else that I'm more interested in? It's like, fair enough. Uh, that was a great VL, says Terry. Thank you so much. Uh, I had a lot of fun with it. Small World from Scarborough. Absolutely. Received my reasonable mind's sweater. Can't wait for it to get cool enough to wear it. Oh, yeah. Well, you know me. I can wear sweaters any time of the year. Although they do change in thickness. Uh, but uh, fantastic. I'm so glad to hear it, Caitlin. I hope you enjoy it very, very much. Andy, I applaud you for taking vacation at the last year's summer. But mornings will not be the same next week without H&H. Just know we will be missed. I appreciate it. I really do. At some point, I will probably get a travel rig that I am satisfied with. Um, but for right now, and especially for the purpose of making sure I do videos on vacation, I'm not so inclined uh, right this second. So we're going to take that last week. We're going to have um, a relaxing end of summer and then I'll be back in full force in the fall. We're not going to miss a lawyers and dragon slot. So that'll proceed. I might well uh, tape a virtual legality without using my face for the most part um, next week. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know for sure. I never know how these things will go. I don't know what connectivity will be, et cetera, et cetera. So I really appreciate it. Uh, I'm very sorry that we'll be skipping a week. Probably the schedule will be I'll miss a week of headlines, I don't know, once a quarter, something along those lines, uh, just to keep everything fresh, get back going for the next quarter, that kind of thing. Uh, But I really, really do appreciate it. I'm so thankful for everybody for being here, just having fun, chatting, hanging out, having a place to have good vibes to start your day or to continue your day uh, if you're in Europe or to end your day uh, if you're on the other side of me, past the other ocean. Uh, so I really do appreciate everybody dropping in. Aloha from sunny Beverly Hills. See. Beverly Hills can't be sunny yet, right? Isn't it 4.30 in the morning? Is it sunny already? I don't I don't know. Uh, but aloha from sunny Beverly Hills. Uh, and then, I don't I don't know. Uh, what, what kind of emoji is that? It's a rock out emoji? Yeah, absolutely. All right, fantastic. Uh, thanks for confirming Lords and Dragons every Saturday at a fixed time. Yay, absolutely. I should put it in my channel. Um, co-counsel will probably yell at me for not having it in the channel already. Um, because she tries to keep me doing smart things and not dumb things. So I do appreciate that co-counsel. Um, but yeah, absolutely. It's going to attempt to be at a fixed time. We might need to take weeks off. Um, you know, if somebody has a trial or something like that, but we're working through it. Absolutely. Uh, slackers critical role does six hours. I tell you what, when we're making marketing or chat or other bucks, like Critical Role, uh, and, and they're millions of dollars, I can probably work out getting people to uh, do six-hour sessions, but more power to them. <laughs> getting groups together and herding cats and having fun is a, is a two-hour endeavor. Um, so no, it's, it's Critical Role's obviously fantastic, hugely branded, wonderful for them. Uh, this is not that. <laughs> so we have a cool intro video. gonna rock out we're gonna have a lot of fun with lawyers and dragons uh but uh two hours was about what i thought could work for everybody and their time schedule and they're all you know giving their time to doing this and so i wanted to make sure that we kept it reasonable on a weekly basis so two hours maybe two and a half um until you know we get to the the next major plot point or we solve whatever the challenge is for that week etc but i I think it's gonna work i think it's gonna work pretty well but yeah if you want to play dungeons and dragons Critical Role does six hours. You can play Dungeons and Dragons all day if you want. Um, You can make really, really long sessions, but we're going to try to make them into episodes. uh, And I think it's working well. I think we got an exciting one for you tomorrow. Um, Meme that made me think of you this week says, Carrie, I won't back down. Tom Petty. He won't back down. I may readjust my stance if you have a convincing argument. Tom reasonable. (laughs) (laughs) I won't back down. Uh, I can be reasoned with. Yeah, absolutely. I like that. It's a good meme. Solid. Good afternoon from Denmark. Absolutely. Um, we got some people talking about vacations and where to go. Uh, what else we have here? Chat is uh, going crazy this morning. Uh, too bad you can't call in one of your Lurys and Dragons friends to sub for the week, like the late night TV hosts. That be adventure. Well, I mean, like, they're going to keep going. Uh, so I, it's always, they're always available. Um, I know that uh, Rob, for instance, is doing a stream tonight, uh, and I think there are other people that are doing streams maybe also tonight. Um, and so there will definitely be people available next week that you can go and check out. I wouldn't ask them to come host on my channel because <laughs> uh, we want them to go and get their own uh, subscribers and to have, uh, have the, the benefits of this kind of process accrue to them uh, rather than to me so I do appreciate it though. It's kind of a funny idea. Um, maybe Kurt can do more while I'm away. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I expect everybody to keep going. Uh, I'm sure co-counsel doesn't yell. She asks respectfully in a nice, calm voice, which is far scarier. Oh my God. Did I use the, did I use yell as a verb? Clearly a Friday morning for me, folks. Um, no, she, she doesn't No, She'll just, uh, she'll just tell me. It's like, Hey, come on, get the schedules up. What are you doing? And it's, it's absolutely true. Uh, so yeah. Fun times, two hours is great. Thumbs up emoji, sunglasses emoji. Yeah, I mean, it was the time that worked. So I think we're going to have a great time with it. Uh, critical role does between three and five. Six for the extremes. Two sounds great. Like Dimension 20. Don't know that one, uh, but sounds like a DD group. <clears throat> co council has a notepad. No worry. Sure. <laughs> uh, love that you were taking a break, but we're going to miss you next week. Absolutely. Hit that like button. Absolutely. Thank you, too. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, got more people talking about vacation. Why oh why must road construction start before 7 a.m.? They're making too much noise. I can't hear Hogue. Angry emoji. I'm very sorry about that. Seems like it's always road construction time, uh, especially in the summer when you want to use your car to go places. Um, That's not what people meant, Hogue, lol. Like a guest host. I know. I know. Well, if somebody wants to run the 7.30 in the morning hangouts show on their channel, they are welcome to do so. I have found even in getting guests over here, that very few of my colleagues on YouTube love this time slot. So you're stuck with me for the most part. Uh, I meant sub for the h h specifically, format especially, but done like they're actually guest hosting your show. It'd be amusing to see their take on your gig. Just showing up there? Yeah, absolutely. Rick Hogue is out for the week, but here we are at Hangouts and Headlines over here on whatever channel is doing this voice the whole time. Yep, I get it. Two hours is great. 10 a.m. is 11 p.m. Japanese time, so two hours is perfect for me to watch until the end. Sure, we're taking you into the, the early morning. Good morning, y'all. I've got half an eye on chat this morning as I wrangle kids and also try to get some work done, says co-counsel. So thankful you're all here today. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. I love this time slot. Keeps me entertained while doing taxes. Good. I'm glad that I am more entertaining than taxes. It was It was a close question there. I can tell. Um, but yeah. All right. So good morning, chat, for everybody. I think we're we're ready to chat more about Bridgerton. We've missed Bridgerton. We've got some interesting descriptions from CNN about what this show actually is. Uh, and like I said, for the most part, I wanted to talk about a different outlet covering this. We've obviously co- talked about the way different journalistic outlets cover these stories, especially with that we heard. We're I had the most kind of factual basis because I had watched that whole trial, uh, but we can still kind of see it happening in things like this article. So let's take a look. So simple enough headline, not one of those exciting headlines where you go, oh, you went with that, huh? Netflix creators of unofficial Bridgerton musical. That does what it says on the tin. It's a solid headline. Uh, it's neutral. That is what is happening. And that's, uh, that's good. Uh, that's a good, good way of telling people what's in your article. Now, I do know that this went out yesterday in case you think I'm just pulling articles from three weeks ago or whenever we first heard about this story. And I thought that was interesting because for the most part, and we can comment on this as well or we can discuss it in the comments, it seems like there's always a rush to get stuff out um, from Internet journalists, right? That you want those clicks. You want it to be topical and timely. You want it to be based on the news as it happens that day. Hey, frankly, virtual legality and hangouts and headlines is built on that premise a little bit which is, hey, we want to talk about things that are within, generally speaking, I'm picking articles that are within the last 24 hours. Sometimes I will go a few days before that. Uh, You saw yesterday, for instance, I pulled things uh, from articles that were three, four, five days before. Um, And very occasionally, I will do things from weeks before. Uh, But for the most part, I want things to be topical and I want them to be uh, you know, current. Uh, And so this is interesting that CNN actually took extra time and comes in with, Um, An article that doesn't share a lot of new details is written kind of in an interesting way, but does add at least a little bit and we can analyze it for what it does add. So New York CNN business starts as follows on Christmas day, 2020, Netflix premiered Bridgerton, an old fashioned, lushly designed Regency romance, gorgeously costumed, multiracial, LGBTQ friendly and featuring sizzling sex and explicit nudity. It seemed just the thing TV needed in the global COVID lockdown. The series had viewership of 82 million households worldwide within four months, according to Netflix. Now, that's an interesting way to describe Bridgerton. Oh, why why is the uh, series very upset at me? Series just shouldn't even be on. So that's exciting. We're having all sorts of fun on casual Friday. Um, So that's a very interesting way to describe Bridgerton. I don't know if folks that regularly watch it would agree, but we've already started to see here in this CNN business article, and I'm not going to claim that I read CNN business every day or things like that, that this particular discussion piece is written in a more tabloidy, yellow journalism kind of way, right? You don't usually get a second opening line in the first paragraph of your CNN business article that includes the phrase sizzling sex and explicit nudity. Frankly, when you're talking about these businesses and these boards of directors, you don't want that line for the most part. Uh, but it is interesting to see in this context because they're they're framing Bridgerton very specifically for the audience that doesn't know what it is. So they now have this concept of, I don't know, uh, Game of Thrones kind of thing. Uh, and I, I, it's interesting to see Bridgerton described that way. Last week, Royal Albert Hall in London canceled the performance of the unofficial Bridgerton musical, a fan-created passion project inspired by the show. Days earlier, the unlicensed production sold out the Kennedy Center. Netflix, which had long tolerated the musical born on TikTok, sued the show's creators to shut it down. And and days earlier is true insofar as you can always count things in days. I believe the Kennedy Center performance was at the end of June or, or maybe early July. So uh, the Royal Albert Hall in London getting canceled last week is like that second week of August. When we last covered this story, they were pending the Royal Albert Hall performance, and then it got canceled, and that was the impetus behind this CNN show. Or they just didn't care before now, or it took them this long to actually report on it in this way. Uh, either way, uh, it, uh, it's interesting to note that as an update to the story, they weren't allowed to perform their musical in London. It got canceled and it was done because Netflix did sue them in between the performances. There is so much joy in seeing audiences fall in love with Bridgerton, explained star producer and series creator Shonda Rhimes in a statement. What is star doing here? Shonda Rhimes is very popular, but I don't know exactly what's being added by that. But what started as a fun celebration by fans Barlow and Bear on social media has turned into the blatant taking of intellectual property, so, says CNN Business, don your jewels and bring round the horse-drawn carriage. Daphne Bridgerton and her dashing Duke of Hastings are headed to court. I, It's very interesting, right? Just talking about journalism for a second here. Um, this sounds, especially this part right here, sounds like the lead up to the intro video of, you know, Big Brother. Like you really do need to put on that voice, the, the Big Brother voice. Um, for that kind of line. It's, it's just an interesting way to write this. It sounds like a TV script more than an article. Uh, and that's its own kind of storyline in this particular kind of reporting. Uh, but yes, we also see once again what we saw before when we looked at the releases and the legal documents and everything else in this Bridgerton case, which is at the most cynical reading of this, Netflix is totally okay with fans being kind of crappy at marketing for them. Uh, but if they get successful or wildly successful, as is the case here, then they, they, they turn on you, right? It started as a fun celebration on social media because it was sending people to watch our show. And that was marketing. And yay, marketing is great. And it's free. Yay, free is great. Free marketing is great, great. Um, and then they won a Grammy. How dare they? Uh, and you can't help but kind of read that all into this. And that's what I get when people ask me the question about fan works and fan things like that, which is, yeah, probably you can always get a cease and desist. Uh, Yeah, probably to the extent that they think that you're doing useful things for them and their intellectual property, they're going to allow it. And yeah, probably if you get too big or too successful, they'll turn on you. And that's exactly what Netflix has done here. Legal battles. This is just the latest of a spate of legal spats between creatives and creators over the ownership and interpretation of works of art. It's a fun sentence to say, as social media becomes pervasive and pop culture often immersive, fans are literally taking license. They're literally not. <laughs> like, I get why you would go for this line, right? And this is really an analysis, not of the substance here, but just of the writing. But they are literally not taking license. That is the issue. If they were literally taking license, there wouldn't be a lawsuit, <laughs> right? Corporate law jokes, I guess, folks. Uh, But if you have a license to something, uh, then you're not infringing on that when you use it under that license. So they're not literally taking license. They're literally uh, pretending that licensing isn't necessary. I I don't know what to say. Earlier this month, the Dore McAllen Church in Texas presented an unauthorized version of Hamilton, which likened homosexuality to drug addiction. On August 10th, Lin-Manuel Miranda, the musical's creator, tweeted, grateful to you all, who reached out about this illegal, unauthorized production. Now lawyers do their work. And we'll go to that. This is actually links to a variety article, unauthorized production of Hamilton by Texas Church. Uh, and if you didn't see this story, this was almost one uh, that I covered here as it was happening. Lynn manuel Miranda is play- praising lawyers who get the job done. Again, I guess... Are are all journalists just trying to work in references and sound like TV producers? I don't know. Variety, I give a little bit more leniency to as a Hollywood coverage outlet than I do for CNN business, but maybe I shouldn't. After a Texas church staged an illegal, unauthorized production of Hamilton, producers of the hit Broadway musical have taken issue with the Door Christian Fellowship Ministries in McAllen, Texas, which staged the show on August 5th and 6th without a license, as well as changed lyrics and added text to include biblical references and anti-LGBTQ rhetoric. Without permission, grateful to all of you who reached out about this illegal unauthorized production. We read that quote, says Lynn manuel Miranda, who famously wrote this play. And the statement here from, I think it's the Dramatist Guild, uh, people who make plays for the most part, uh, was, we hold up the McAllen Church's brazen infringement to shine a light on the problematic pattern of some theatrical organizations performing author's work without a license and rewriting the text without authorial consent. No organization, professional, amateur, or religious is exempt from these laws. No writer's work, whether they are a student who has just written their first play or Lin Manuel Miranda can be performed without their permission. And it is never okay to change the words, lyrics, or notes without their express consent. Here's an interesting part of this particular fight, right? Because if you've been in virtual legality with me for a while, one of the things you know is that the intellectual property laws, particularly the Copyright Act, encourages Transformative use of works encourages the fair use of other people's copyrighted material so far as you comment on it or you report on it or you transform it into something new. Um, And we know this, right? We know this inherently that parodies are okay, that satire is okay. And to some extent, if you make the show Hamilton and for whatever reason, in whatever methodology, whether it's something that you agree with or not, messaging doesn't matter here. We're not talking about the substance of this. You substitute out everything uh, in Hamilton to parody it for some purpose. That you, the message is uh, that uh, Hamilton is a whitewashing of history, and I'm going to make a version of Hamilton that uses some of the same beats, but talks about how bad Hamilton is uh, as one of the founding fathers. I, I don't know what it would be. I'm just using these as examples of pulling out of the air. If you did that at a holistic level and you transformed this work to comment on that work and to comment on how history uh, is made and, and who Alexander Hamilton was, chances are you would get a lot more leeway than what appears to have been done here, which is take the original work and slap on some additional stuff to it, Um, right? And plays have often had this issue, right? If you think back to maybe your high school uh, experience, uh, chances are that one or more of the plays that you otherwise performed may or may not have been properly licensed through whatever licensing body was doing uh, Bye Bye Birdie, that year, whatever else you might have done uh, in in high school drama class, uh, or maybe that was just my experience, uh, but you still have those instances, and they can't get to everything. And so there's our, there's light infringement all over the place, and we know this um, from living our lives. But when you then make a YouTube video out of it, when you then have a message that goes against what the maker of the product wants and what the uh, the the Dramatist Guild wants and things like that, well, then you're going to find yourself uh, with a problem. That said, this quote here. You know, it's never okay to change the words, lyrics, or notes without their express consent. Um, we we wouldn't have the the dramatic poet laureate stylings of Weird Al Yankovic, for instance, if folks weren't allowed to go through and do these various things. Now, in, in actuality, I think some of those get in trouble. Some of those he actually licenses, but you have to be able to have that kind of transformative uh, and, and fair use uh, permission. For works, even ones that are as famous as Hamilton. What you can't do is you can't take the body of the thing and use that to otherwise pitch uh, whatever else you want with that particular uh, with that particular intellectual property kind of uh, hanging on around it. Uh, you do get these little, you know, these little quotes and clips and things like that. After the Dorman Callan Church revised version gained attention, a pastor at the Christian church pushed back saying the musical's creative team had given the church a license to perform the show. Now, that's interesting. We'll see this pushed back against a lot, um, but you do have to question why you would go out with this particular statement if you believed it was a lie in public. Shane Marshall Brown, a spokesman for Hamilton, denied that claim, saying in a statement that Hamilton does not grant amateur or professional licenses for any stage productions and did not grant one to the door church. We only make Hamilton for ourselves right now. Brown added that lawyers representing Hamilton sent a cease and desist letter for the unauthorized use of Hamilton's intellectual property, demanding the immediate removal of all videos and images from previous productions from the Internet, including YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, their own website and elsewhere. The producers of Hamilton said the church could proceed on the conditions that it was not live streamed or recorded, no photos or videos of the performance be posted, they not mount any further productions, this limited permission was without prejudice, and we reserve the rights and remedies that we have, the Hamilton producers, and we would be discussing this matter with the parties behind this unauthorized production within the coming days once all facts are properly vetted. Um, the statement concludes, the Hamilton family stands for tolerance, compassion, inclusivity, and certainly LGBTQ plus rights. We are in the process of reviewing the unauthorized changes made to the script to determine further action. We would like to thank our devoted fans for bringing this to our attention. So I think what might have happened with the pastor is he got this, which was effectively, yeah, if you've already spent the time, we really don't want to get into a fight with a church right this second. You can go and do your thing, but don't let it be known at all in public whatsoever outside of you know your, your community. Uh, and then we're going to figure out whether or not we need to do something more significant to you. And somehow that went out with videos and things uh, like that. So I think that's why you get that that weird statement uh, from the church that says we had permission. <laughs> that's already taking liberties with what that the sentiment would be. But it does at least include the concept of you being able to go out with the show. Just thought I'd bring that story up because it is referenced here. It's not the same kind of story as Bridgerton, it's fan the, the fan work here. Uh, but it is at least in the similar scope. And this fall, uh, CNN Business continues, the U.S. Supreme Court will hear a case regarding artist Andy Warhol's alleged misappropriation of a photographer's work. Um, and if you don't know that case, I think you've heard us discuss it uh, in this space as the Prince case, um, you will see uh, that that is a big, big deal in the Supreme Court. Now I'll probably cover it when it actually happens, either at arguments or the decision next summer. Uh, this link is actually interesting because it doesn't go to the story about the lawsuit, or the Supreme Court, or anything else. It is interesting, though, because it goes to a story about how Campbell Soup took a different approach to Netflix. You might know the Andy Warhol Campbell Soup paintings. Uh, They sent over a lawyer when it originally was made and then eventually decided that it was good business uh, for the most part and got into partnership uh, with Andy Warhol. But you have to go all the way to the bottom here to actually get the link to the case. And if you go to that link, then you see the case itself, which is described as follows. The Supreme Court on Monday said it would take up a case concerning whether the late Andy Warhol infringed on a photographer's copyright when he created a series of silkscreens of the musician Prince. Lawyers for the Warhol Foundation asked the Supreme Court to take up the case, arguing that a lower court decision that went against the artist threatens a sea change in the law of copyright. Central to the case is the so-called fair use doctrine in copyright law, which permits the unlicensed use of copyright protected works in certain circumstances. The justices will delve into how it applies to art inspired by a pre-existing photograph. It's actually more than inspired. In court papers, lawyers for the Warhol Foundation said that the artist created the Prince series, a set of portraits that transformed a pre-existing photograph of the musician Prince into a series commenting on celebrity and consumerism. Art, folks, I don't know. They're differently colored versions of the same photo. They said that in 1984, the Vanity Fair commissioned Warhol to create an image of Prince for an article called Purple Fame. At the time, Vanity Fair licensed a black and white photo that had been taken by photographer Lynn Goldsmith. Warhol produced the first image in the print series using Goldsmith's photograph as source material. Uh, Martinez, the lawyer, then said Warhol made substantial changes in tone, lighting, and detail, and transformed Goldsmith's original image to create pieces that comment on the manner in which society encounters and consumes celebrity. So just backing up a step. What happened here is you have a photographer, that they take a photo, they then have a copyright in that photo. Vanity Fear licenses that photo, Says, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to transform it. Uh, Andy Warhol is going to make a version of this for our cover image. Uh, they do that. Andy Warhol then has access to that photo and says, I'm going to do more of these um, for himself. Uh, and so that wasn't licensed, like Vanity Fair had licensed it from Lynn Goldsmith. And now Goldsmith is suing. The Warhol Foundation, believing that Goldsmith would sue, sought a declaration of non infringement from the courts. Goldsmith countersued with a claim of copyright infringement. In court papers, her lawyer said she had been stunned to realize that Warhol had created silk screens of prints using her original portrait. So Goldsmith didn't even know that Warhol had done this, at least according to her court papers, which is important because she doesn't wanna have been accused of knowing beforehand because it has to tie to this 2016 usage in order to be um, uh, ripe for the courts to handle and not be uh, too too far after whatever uh, the limitations would be for her actually making this claim. A lower court ruled in favor of Warhol concluding that Warhol's work was transformative because it communicated a different message from Goldsmith's original work. A federal appeals court reversed and said the case could proceed. Uh, And now we're fighting in the Supreme Court. Now, this isn't a great summary of what happens there, but it's very confusing and complicated. Maybe we'll go into it at more detail uh, at some later point in time. CNN just kind of throws up its hands and gives up here towards the end. It's at the Supreme Court now. Uh, We gave a pretty good summary, and they did. So you have CNN start out with sizzling, You have them go through a little bit of TV script writing. They talk about the Hamilton case. They talk about the Warhol case and say, hey, this is just the latest of a spate of legal spats. Now, the Warhol stuff was done years and years and years and years ago. The Hamilton thing seems like a one-off the month that this article came out. So I'm not sure that this is indicative of a trend. Uh, But certainly, as the internet has grown, fans have made more fan art. And more specifically, fan art that can get to more places, right? When we talk about fan art, it used to be, sure, okay, you're going to do whatever you're going to do, and you're going to put up a poster of Sonic the Hedgehog in your basement, and you know, good for you. You didn't change really uh, anything there, and now it's a lot more capable of being distributed out. You can go and collect a commission for that Sonic uh, uh, the Hedgehog fan art if you want on Twitter or elsewhere, and that becomes... Something that these companies have to start worrying about, especially if those images start to be combined with messages that they don't like. Right. This is what Hamilton, the Hamilton case is about. And this is something I've said from the start, which is, OK, if you make a Mario game and it's an homage to Mario and somehow it gets more people to play Mario on Nintendo, Nintendo's probably not going to have a problem with you, Nintendo is maybe a bad choice because they have a problem with everybody. Uh, but let's pretend that they didn't have a problem with you. It's when you put Mario in a political ad for the Senate candidate in the state of Arizona. And Nintendo says, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, regardless of that person's beliefs, we don't want our intellectual property associated with any kind of politics. We don't want to do that at all. That That's when you get into trouble here. You know, Hamilton... Uh, is a moneymaker for the Hamilton producer. So you're already going to have a starting point issue, but then combining it with a message that they disagree with is going to create more of that friction. And so that's always part of the fan art battle. Then we get into the description of what actually happened here. The debut of Bridgerton coincided neatly with the rise of TikTok. In January 2021, singer and fan Abigail Barlow went on the app with a question. Okay, what if Bridgerton was a musical? What if it were? Maybe it is what if it was. We'll talk about the subjunctive on the next virtual legality. And burst into song. She teamed up with Emily Bear, a piano prodigy who had toured as a child. The two American 20-something women began to write and perform songs related to the program, often using exact dialogue from the series. No learner in low, Barlow and Bear offered a simple yet charming score. If I was a man, I'd go to Japan. I'd summer in Cannes. I'd play in the sand. Sounds like a Dr. Seuss Uh, in that particular uh, usage. I also have to comment, I have to comment, on CNN's topical and timely reference to Learner and Low. Now understand, uh, you might already know this, but understand, I'm a big fan of musicals. I'm a big fan of Broadway musicals. um, And I didn't recognize these two. Now, probably Papa and Mama Hogue would be mad at me for that because they're bigger fans than I am. But I actually had to go look up what these folks made. And they are of the Camelot, Paint Your Wagon, My Fair Lady vintage um, which is fine, uh, except I don't know that it communicates much of anything to your audience, right? No learner and low. I'm sorry. Who? And you realize, of course, that when you're talking about journalists and how this works, they pick that because that is an alliterative pair of singer and songwriter, like Barlow and Bear. Fantastic, wonderful. Nobody understands what your sentence says, but you got that alliterative pairing in there. It was a huge hit with fans. Because the duo invited feedback, participation, and suggestions on TikTok. It felt like a crowdsourced artwork and something never quite done before. At first, Netflix found the fan fuss, if anything, delightful and certainly good publicity. A few weeks in, Netflix tweeted, absolutely blown away by the Bridgerton musical playing out on TikTok, which of course we covered when we were looking at the case the first time. In November 2021, that album was nominated, somewhat improbably, for a Grammy Award for Best Musical Theater Album. Even more improbably, it won against far more seasonal nominee, seasoned nominees, Andrew Lloyd Webber, Burt Bacharach, and Stephen Schwartz. A charity concert was planned. Now, what's interesting about this is, okay, it's nominated for Best Musical Theater Album. Was it ever a musical theater? I mean, what are the rules for a Grammy in musical theater? Do you have to have performed it at some point in a theater? Strikes me that you would. But maybe it's more of a description of a genre um, so that you can just have songs on a CD if it Sounds like it could have been uh, a musical, Uh, but yeah. Then we get into the legal fight. Meanwhile, Netflix was having a ball, a Queen's ball to be exact. A touring Bridgerton experience produced, was staged in various cities two or three times daily. It featured elaborate sets, bewigged, I like that word, good job, violin players, chandeliers, dances, and acrobats. It's very interesting though. It's sets, violin players, dances, acrobats, and chandeliers. You'd think they were part of the elaborate sets. I don't know. Top price was about $85. And I know nothing about this, right? When we went and looked at this earlier, we looked at the website for the Queen's Ball and it looked like a weird high school prom. Here, this reference is even odder. At each performance, the Queen named the diamond of the season. How she picks one is not clear, but it illustrates Netflix's keen interest in the social media world that influencers are invited to write a letter in advance on why they should be chosen. So now it no longer seems like a weird high school prom. It seems like a weird high school cult prom, (laughs) right? And I'm not telling you, if you went to one of these things and you loved it, I'm so happy for you. Uh, But it sounds weird to those of us who are on the outside of this thing. And it also sounds weird when combined with the description of the show, as put forth earlier on in the CNN article. Like if you'd never heard of Bridgerton and this is your first exposure to it because you're interested in copyright law. Hey, good for you. Then you're reading this and are you like, what in the heck is going on? What What is this? What is the Bridgerton experience? How is this? How does this make any sense to anybody? It's crazy. In late July, Barlow and Bear performed their once underground unofficial show at the Kennedy Center, complete with the National Symphony Orchestra. Top ticket price was $149 for a meet and greet with Barlow and Bear. So that ticket price, which is goes a lot lower than this, by the way, we talked about that earlier, uh, is for the meet and greet version, then this isn't like a super expensive kind of event thing. And it's also a one-off. Um, and so Netflix complaining about these two things being the same, when one is a symphony orchestra concert and the other is, I don't know, acrobats? You be the judge as to what the Bridgerton experience is, uh, is, is still quite confounding. That's when Netflix filed a complaint alleging copyright infringement. Um, Copy, copyright. CNN. Did, what's the W doing there? Is it like a middle initial? What, what's going on? Unjust enrichment and trademark infringement. It also alleged false origin, which is creating the implication that Netflix had okayed the production when it had not. The author got in there. We looked at her quote. She's not too happy about it. They're performing it for commercial gain. And then some fans, this is some of the additional information we got here. Some fans were dizzy at the seeming turnaround. One young woman took to TikTok to explain to the streamer that Netflix obviously doesn't understand the stakes involved. The lawsuit gets in the way of the career plans of dozens of fans, as she scolded. So many women have been manifesting their career on this musical, Non-Union Tour, Tour, Broadway. They're not on Broadway yet, but maybe those were the dreams of the people that were involved in this particular production. Balderdash says, uh, Mr. Attorney Quote Machine, Aaron J. Moss, attorney and past president of the Los Angeles Copyright Society. If anything, he said, Netflix went further than nearly any other content creator has gone before in terms of the latitude it gave Barlow and Bear. And yes, it does appear that Netflix gave them a great deal of latitude. We talked about that again in our earlier video, which is this notion that they seem to tacitly approve all sorts of things with their intellectual property here. And then when they try to wheel it back, I think you can rightly argue that they thought they had permission to do various of these things, and that they didn't require a license. According to Netflix's complaint, Netflix offered Barlow and Bear a license that would allow them to proceed with their scheduled live performances at the Kennedy Center and Robert Albert Hall, continue distributing their album, and perform their Bridgerton-inspired songs live as part of larger programs going forward, and Barlow and Bear refused. Now, the other thing we mentioned in that earlier video is this distributing their album, right? They have a Grammy award winning album that Netflix definitely tacitly approved of uh, by not otherwise getting upset about it, talking them through it. And there were communications between these parties that are not included in the CNN article for reasons that I don't fully understand. But this license that would have been to do these performances would have attached to the stuff that they're already doing and making money on. And that's when you get into these interesting kind of Conundrums. Netflix then goes after them for the whole shebang. But if you are sitting there and you're Barlow and Bear and you're offered this license that says, "Oh yeah, you can absolutely do this," but now we're going to take our cut of the album and now we're going to take our cut of larger programs going forward. And yes, you can do these performances, but you're probably not making uh, that much money, certainly not life-changing money doing them. So what do you say to that license? And they said no because you know they're represented by actual agents and this is a professional fight between these two parties. And that's when things get interesting here in virtual legality. Attorneys for Netflix did not return emails seeking comment. Neither did Barlow and Bear's representatives at Creative Artist Agency, CAA, one of, if not the biggest agency in the world. Did Netflix want too big a share of the potential profits in exchange for that license? Broadway business people say it's just as likely, which we'll note, by the way, is we don't know, right? So these are anonymously sourced Broadway business people that are giving you a 50-50 proposition as you read these sentences that Netflix was willing to cede significant profits from the musical to its creators, but didn't want to guarantee they would remain front and center in its presentation. Now understand, were that to be the case, this is something that won those awards and was made by these people. So this posits that no, they might've given money for it, but they wanted Barlow and Bear out. And again, might you refuse if you were in the same standing. Now. Netflix has all sorts of claims to bring on these kinds of things, but it's not that easy of a fight on either side, so that makes it interesting. Nevertheless, we've got our boy Moss finishing off the article. Meanwhile, filming has started, and if Barlow and Bear are looking for inspiration for their next musical, the story of Icarus would make a good choice, advises attorney Moss. He flew too close to the sun, and as his wax wings melted, he plummeted into the sea below. Even better, it's in the public domain. I can't. I mean, why? How? 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 How do you go out to CNN with that? Like, where in the world did you get that level of assholishness Right. I mean, say what you will. Netflix has a pretty good infringement claim here. Certainly when uh, we, we talk about them stealing dialogue and things that was written specifically by Netflix. Um, and it is certainly interesting that they didn't bend the knee to a cease and desist letter. Didn't just say, you know what? A license is easier for everybody. Let's not get into a legal fight. Um, that, that's all very interesting. Um, and it will result in some interesting fireworks on this particular story. We'll probably cover it uh, one or two more times depending on whether there's things in discovery or even on a settlement. Uh, but the copyright lawyer, the guy of the copyright content creator lawyer, right? Whenever you're thinking about the folks that issue the DMCA's willy-nilly, like, this is the guy. this is this is the dude, and he says to these creators that have clearly, Clearly, advanced Bridgerton. Like the marketing for Bridgerton is self-evident from the Bridgerton musical, for Pete's sake, um, and effectively say, you know, you, you guys deserve what came to you. It's it's remarkable. Uh, it is absolutely remarkable. Uh, and so I saw that quote, and I said, you know what? We'll cover this again. We got some additional information here, and we'll see if anybody else takes up the uh, the gauntlet here to cover it more. This is likely to be a big story as it proceeds because you do have on the one side CAA and you do have on the other Netflix. So you've got resources, you've got professionals, you've got well-paid lawyers, and that's when fireworks really do happen. So I think we're going to pay attention to this one. I did see some people say, "Um, you know, didn't you already cover this? Yeah. Um, And you know, this week we didn't cover any Johnny Depp versus Amber Heard. So uh, this is one of those things where I think it's, it's worthwhile to pay attention to it. And I couldn't not I couldn't not include that Icarus quote. So you know what, Attorney Moss, you did your job because I was like, we got to talk about that. We got to talk about lawyers in articles because I would never, ever, ever go out with anything that sounded like that to somebody that was asking me for quotes. Uh, and yet, you know, I'm not in CNN business. So there you go. In any event, that's today's article. A lot of stuff we've already talked about, but I think in a different way. And uh, hopefully you got a little bit more information out of it. Uh, the Bridgerton story is and will continue to be interesting. So I'm having fun. girl 75 hey, Hogue, I'm super late. Semi-replay crew tonight. Have a fabulous Friday. i looking forward to Lawyers and Dragons. That's right, folks. Lawyers and Dragons, 10 a.m. tomorrow. It's going to be exciting. We're going to have fun. we got to pick up from where that cliffhanger left off. we got to figure out what's happening and solve all the mysteries of that world in episode two. Very short campaign. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, I know the mythical story of Icarus, but is it an unintentional Hamilton reference too? How is that a Hamilton reference? Help me out. Maybe I'm just missing it. Uh, I feel like Hogue may need to be bewigged for these type of stories. Should I get an old-timey English wig for covering the continuing Bridgerton saga? Hmm. I don't know. It's a good question. It's a good question. Uh, Yeah, as much as I like the freedom of fan creations, I'm on Netflix's side here. And by extension, the authors, I think launching a staging for profit was a clear abuse of allowances. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they were already allowed to monetize their album. Um, So, I mean, it's the the question becomes is, is performing it in public in a concert setting quantifiably different in terms of whatever marketing or competitive effect it would have on the Bridgerton product. Uh, And I I think for the most part, they were probably thinking that Netflix was bluffing um, and that it didn't make a lot of sense for Netflix to sue some of its biggest fans, because that's what the calculation would have been behind closed doors. Hey, look, this is going to look like we're suing our biggest fans. Uh, is that okay with us? And the answer for Netflix's side of things proved to be yes. I think their arguments that it's competing with the, the Queens ball or, or whatever that is are, um, are fallacious. I don't think that there is a similar market for those kinds of things. And I don't think they can even show that any of the one-off productions actually um, competed directly in time slot to when those balls were. But... I can also see the Netflix side of things that says, well, "All right, maybe they're not quite there yet, but we got to kill this thing now before they get more—they uh, get more grand delusions about this thing—and they wind up staging an actual play because we do obviously have the rights to everything that comes out of derivative works from the show, and they're really—they're really squeezing the line now. I don't know that there's any winners in that kind of fight." Uh, But it is an interesting one for us to watch from afar when we don't have to pay the super expensive lawyers to argue them for us. We just get the documents and we can look at them here. Uh, But yeah, I can appreciate being on Netflix's side here. Laura says, if they're violating copyright law, the lawsuit affecting their career is irrelevant. It annoys me. People treat small creators differently. Netflix should get the same protection as Barlow and Bear. Absolutely they should. Oh, I'm not going to be on the side to say that Netflix shouldn't get that protection. 100% no. Um, I'm saying that there are more details that unfortunately are kind of split between these two videos. Uh, that Netflix tacitly approved this whole process when they thought it was good for them and that we can certainly call out and at least warn people that make fan works that if you do get big enough and if they do decide that you are too popular, that this is the kind of thing that often happens where they say, "Um, no, we thought you were just gonna be on TikTok. Um, And so this has gotten out of hand, Uh, right? And so people need to at least be aware of that as we talk about these kinds of stories. Uh, attorney Moss would pull out his hanky and slap opposing counsel across the face. Oh yes. He's, he is absolutely disrespecting people in this particular context. Uh, Hamilton flew close, too close to the sun and wrecked himself multiple times over. What is the sun in that metaphor? Like power? I don't like, I know Hamilton. I'm, 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 I'm interested in this. Hamilton flies too close to the sun. He's thinking about the presidency for a little while. Huh? any event, love it. Um, have Runkle send a wig over. Yeah, Ian, give me, a, give me an old wig so I can pretend that I am a, a justice of the crown or whatever you all call yourself in the Commonwealth. Uh, there's an Icarus, Icarus reference in the Hamilton lyrics. Fair enough. He flew too close to the sun. Fair enough. Um, oh yeah, that's right, isn't it? It's a, one of Philippa's songs. Okay, all right, I stand corrected. Again, casual Friday, folks. I did not memorize the Hamilton lyrics for purposes of this episode. I apologize. <laughs> uh, yes, the wig would be amazing. Okay, good to know. Uh, what would brains do? I think he'd get the wig. Okay, we'll see. We'll see what we can do. Uh, Angelica warned Eliza she married an Icarus in the song "Burn." Okay, it's Eliza's song. I, you know what? I'm doing my best. Oh, it is. That's that's her actress's name. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> and I got a lot of people telling me about the song "Burn." All right, no, I appreciate it. Uh, if you get the wig, you need to take talk the Bridgerton accents too, Hogue. So I, I did – I put a, a few British errors on in this episode. You don't want that. First of all, we have fans and followers and viewers from Britain, and, like, I feel uh, bad at doing accents, and I certainly don't want to offend anybody with my god-awful accents of whatever region I would be doing. So maybe we could put out the proper disclaimers. I'd have a permanent stamp up here that says, I know I'm bad at this. Please don't take offense. <laughs> Um, If this was done with the National Symphony, I would expect low profits for the creators. Aren't all the arts organizations here in the States doing pretty bad financially? Um, Yeah, I mean, I think certainly pandemic hurt a lot of the arts type stuff uh, around everywhere. Uh, But yeah, you know, it maxes out at 100 and whatever that was, uh, $60 a, a seat for the meet and greet version. This is not, you know go and, and buy an island type money, even from, from the entirety of a sellout, which we don't really have sales figures on any of this. But that doesn't matter if you're infringing on the copyright. It's just that it's kind of an odd case to bring at this point in time, unless you're thinking they're gonna go further, which you probably are if you're Netflix. Um, but would Netflix do a cease and desist if each one of them was a man and they were performing in Japan? Oh, you're doing the rhyming. Uh, yes, probably. Yeah I, yeah, I think I think that they, they're upset about this. Uh, now I'm hearing it's in Hurricane. I think it's in Burn. Uh, I don't... Hey. <laughs> we'll have Hamilton Lyrics Power Hour on another casual Friday. We'll just discuss each song in turn and the rhyming uh, measure used by Lin-Manuel Miranda until we can get too close to the sun and actually get our video struck in performative art. Join us on Hangouts and Headlines. Um, let's see here. Xcomer, comer thank you so much for the super sticker. Really appreciate the support for the channel. Uh, I think Runkle only gets his robes. I think wig is UK only possibly. He had a whole discussion about wigs, um, but I don't think it's as fulsome as the the uh, the UK uh, wig section. No wigs in Canada. If you want the wig, black belt barrister, probably the one you want to talk uh, talk up. Okay, yeah, it's a bad British accent. Needs to get an Emily button. I will never ever claim that my accents are any good. Um, I think that they are considered torture here in Hogue House whenever I break one out. Um, are you familiar with the very Harry Potter musical by Starkid? How do they compare? You know, there are a lot of albums that if you actually go and you look at them are inspired by some other piece of popular culture. Um, there are albums that are thematically tied to the plot line of the Goonies or th- thematically tied to the plot line of you know, something else. Uh, And so I think that there's essentially a border. I talked about this in the first video, um, but the biggest issue that they have is Netflix's claims that they took dialogue directly, Um, that there are a bunch of tweets out as the thing is getting made that are like, well, this is what I'm trying to evoke. I'm deliberately trying to match the tone of this scene and I'm using this dialogue and that already sounds like a song lyric and I didn't have to do anything and things like that which are all very, very bad tweets to have out there or or TikToks. I don't know what you call it when you do it. All very bad statements to come out there in respect of a lawsuit like this one. You didn't make them assuming that you would have a lawsuit like this one. So they've got problems. Barlow and Bear have problems. Um, I still strongly expect it to end in settlement um, because essentially I think that you probably accept a license or you at least negotiate a license if you actually believe Netflix could go forward with a federal lawsuit against you. So I believe they probably thought it was a bluff. Now it's clearly not a bluff. And what do we do from here? Well, we reevaluate how we have assessed our risks and our exposures and what exactly we wanna do and how much we wanna pay lawyers, right? Because that's all dead weight, right? You pay lawyers, you get to the end, you get to a verdict and maybe you even win. That doesn't get you your lawyer's money back for the most part. There can be ways that you can get that back in specific kinds of court cases. Um, So you generally don't wanna pay the lawyers. So if you even have a remotely uh, similar understanding of what the exposures are, what the price would be for license, that kind of thing, then you come back to the table. Because at the end of the day, Netflix generally doesn't want to be suing its fans. Now, they might want to make an example of them in this particular case after it's gotten this far and gotten this much press. That can be different in the boardroom, and we don't know. But for the most part, you don't want to be in the business of suing your fans. These folks are fans. These folks clearly helped your marketing. That's why you put out a celebratory tweet um, about them. And you don't really want this to go on forever and ever and ever. So I still expect a settlement because these are two business-minded organizations here in CAA and Netflix. And if there is a settlement, we might not hear what the details are about that, except that there would very likely be a celebration of the fact that we're going to go forward with this, um, you know, lauded uh, piece of art and we're going to do it hand in hand and whatever. So we'll see. We'll follow that. But that's what I would expect. Um, Hoagla, speaking of tacit license grants, it appears that Super Lawyers has given tacit grant of license to She-Hulk for the use of the term Super Lawyer. <laughs> uh, I would say Super Lawyer is descriptive. Uh, I know that they probably have branding marks for their specific use of it and like the typography. I don't know that you can actually trademark super lawyer uh, just vis-a-vis talking about super lawyers. But yeah, we've talked about super lawyers in the trial, right? I think we actually, it's August, so we're getting all those kinds of awards things I should put on my Twitter if I'm following along with these things. Obviously, I don't care. But um, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's funny. Uh, we got a bingo shout out. Thank you, Shireen. I appreciate that. Uh, there's an unofficial soundtrack that if you play it during the original Blair Witch, it syncs up. Sure. That's interesting. Uh, I believe they got permission by the copyright holders by promising it wouldn't be performed for profit. Um, that story gets dicey, right? The performance aspect of it, because they are allowing the music to be on Spotify and to make money for them there, uh, which is performance. Um, I, I don't want to get into the details here because it's just Netflix's complaint right now. Maybe we'll cover the answer, whatever they answer, uh, whenever they answer on this stuff, if it's otherwise made public. Um, but yeah, I, I always am reluctant to just report on a complaint document as if it's true, which I know journalists aren't, generally speaking, uh, but I'm always reluctant to do that. Harry Potter musicals, is a Michigan product. I think it was transformative enough. <clears throat> morning, Kurt. H- Hogue is already doing his EDB impression this morning. The musical is actually named a very Potter musical specifically because of IP concerns. Sure, Potter might be enough. Potter is a pretty specific kind of concept. I don't necessarily know uh, what this is, but very also rhyming with Harry, deliberately designed to be evocative of Harry Potter as a trademark concept. Look, if they wanted to fight it, they could. But remember, we found ourselves, as CNN wrongly linked us to, a article that's actually pretty interesting about Campbell's deciding not to sue Andy Warhol. These companies are constantly making evaluations of whether or not to sue over copyright because you don't have to sue over every infringement of your copyright. It's not like trademark. You don't lose it. So it's a constant, it's a constant discussion at these various places. Um, It was called a Harry Potter musical, but they had to change the name relatively early on. It does not have Harry Potter in the title. Harry equals very or is greater than very. Uh, Yeah, no, absolutely. I get what they did. (laughs) Uh, Maybe these two creators can become copycats and create a podcast in honor of Shonda Rhimes. I don't know what Shonda Rhimes is accused of. I know she's very successful, so I apologize for not being up to speed on that. Uh, What do you get for being a super lawyer? A cape? Surely no. You get unrequested solicitations to buy plints and plaques and things saying that you were named a super lawyer so that you can put it on your back wall and, I don't know, look fondly upon yourself as it reflects your glory. I I don't know. I've never bought one of them. Uh, Leanne G with a Super Chat. Thank you so much for the support. I'm on Netflix's side, actually. There's no problem with that. I think a better comparison would be not caring when E.L. James was writing Twilight fanfic on the web but publishing Fifty Shades with the actual names. Nope. Well, maybe... <laughs> right? But you can still get into unofficial sequels and things uh, and get into all sorts of questions about where the copyright to a character ends and when you are doing a parody or a satire or a commentary on what that original story did. I mean, there are fights and fights and fights about this kind of stuff. There was a huge legal fight over that Gone with the Wind sequel. I, I mean, there are there are things that we could get into. We could make the entire show intellectual property fights among the ages <laughs> On this type of stuff. Uh, But no, I don't have any problem with anybody agreeing with Netflix. Gun to my head, I'm probably thinking Netflix has the right side of things from a legal perspective. I'm just talking about the real politic business here, where you go forward and say, hmm, generally speaking, you're not going to see Netflix sue its fans because it's not a great look for them. And they have to advance towards something like, hey, we performed with the National Symphony Orchestra before they will actually bring down the hammer on these particular issues. If Hoag skips your question, we're waiting on a tax issue and confirming international production. So still in a holding pattern for the moment. Wish it were ready now. That's the store. Folks, the store is just about ready behind the scenes, but we got to dot our I's and cross our T's and it's taking a little longer than we would like. And I'm very, very sorry for it. But we will have really good stuff in that store. We have really exciting stuff that I just recently commissioned to get excited about. Um, So we've got a lot of stuff that is going to come out there. We just need to make sure we aren't violating any domestic or international laws. Uh, as we do it. Apologies there. Um, Tracy Fagan, can you copyright the title of the book when it is common words? Uh, for example, career soldier fiction. Um, so I you could trademark it. You can't generally do that even with descriptive concepts. I would need to get my intellectual property experts on the line uh, for this kind of stuff. Generally speaking, though, you, you probably wouldn't need it. Uh, if you're talking about something like career soldier, which is a phrase that people use. Um, so I would I would yield to my betters on the intellectual property side about whether or not it makes sense to spend that money to try to register it, what your chances of success are, and what you're actually hoping to block, right? Whenever you have these kinds of talks with a lawyer, um, it's always about the practicalities of the situation. Yeah, we can try to do these things. You can do whatever you want. You want to file something with the USPTO? Go nuts. They might reject it. That's one of the first things you're concerned about. But the second thing is, what are you going to use it for? Right. All right. You're going to spend this money. You're going to pay these lawyers to to go and get these registrations. What are you hoping to protect yourself from? Um, And that's that's a conversation because it's like, well, are you worried somebody else is going to make a book called Career Soldier? Um, OK, well, maybe you can protect yourself from this very narrow strain of like something that is identical to you Uh, outside of that. What is your worry? and you have those conversations with the client across the table before you even say yes, because it's gonna, keep, bare minimum, it's generally gonna take a couple thousand dollars to get something done with the regulatory body anyway. So what, what are your thought processes here um, and having that conversation? So yes, the long answer is yes, you can register things. It might be too descriptive. I don't know. This is why I send people to uh, the specifics that work with the USPTO all the time. Um, and that's that's my answer. Uh, that was a comment about a very Potter musical. I think that's one of the key differences between that and uh, Barlow and Bears. I think AVPM was promised as not-for-profit while b and okayed for one charity staging. There is a charity staging concept in there in what was revealed about the history of this. Like I said, the bigger issue for me is that once you allow Spotify performances, which Netflix did, you have at least a little bit of trouble or at least an argument against you in terms of wheeling it back in certain respects. That's not the same, obviously, as a live performance, but in terms of whether or not you are a purely innocent actor that is being being put upon by these evil content creators, uh, you lose at least a certain amount of cachet. And remember, these are courts. They're deciding things based on their judgment. Shonda is the creator of Bridgerton on Netflix. I know, I I know who Shonda Rhimes is. I didn't know why it was referred to as her being a copycat in some respect. Uh, Ooh, IP fight says Kurt, yep. I'm sure you're going to cover Bridgerton more on your channel. This looks like it's going to proceed for a little bit of time. Uh, By the way, I wasn't referring to you with the affecting their career small creator comment, just the person on TikTok saying that in the article. Oh, that's totally fine. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that, um, yeah, the TikTok person is upset, right? And again, we can talk about the legalities here. Netflix doesn't have a crazy case to win, right? Like, this isn't out of nowhere. They have some clear kind of infringement arguments uh, that seem to follow along with precedent. There's some things that go against them, but that's the nature of legal fights. But we can still look at people that are kind of not the ones that are at the top of this thing, right? So Barlow and Bear at this point, they're kind of Godzilla and Netflix is kind of King Kong. They are represented by CAA. Netflix is Netflix. And they're going to fight about it. And they're probably going to get settlement, I would guess. And things are going to go on. But it's the people that are like in the production and they're trying to make a career and aren't Barlow and Bear, and are the ones that are going to get destroyed by this kind of stuff. because they you're going to have the uncertainty. They're going to have to move on. They thought this was their dream gig. They were getting to be in front of, you know, Washington DC. They were going to go to London, all these various things. I think we can still feel for them. Even if they aren't necessarily on the right side of the legal fight of the thing, because it's not their fault either way. They get hired for this job. Maybe they think everything's on the up and up. Maybe they have concerns. It doesn't really matter. They get hired for the job and then everything comes out from under them. So I think we can be empathetic about, hey, yeah, I know what it's like to have something that I think was going to be really good for me, just not work out for some reason, right? Like that's living life. And so I think we can can be empathetic about that, even though they might not have the legal right of things. Uh, Kelly C says there are a lot of fanfic related copyright lawsuits that most people don't hear about. Mortal Instruments is a big one coming to mind right now. That is not the same as Mortal Engines, right? Which is the one with the big city that eats other cities. Mortal Instruments is the one about bones. There's something, city of bones. That sounds right. Am I right on that? I think I'm right on that. Um, uh, This reminds me of a dad slowly and gently saying, okay, please stop. And now it's raising its voice. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But you got to be careful about that when you're dealing with law. Uh, didn't know there was a sequel to Gone with the Wind. Hmm. Yeah, it was a pretty famous kind of fight there when it came out. Um, Annalie, if I remember correctly, it's called Scarlet. There was also a TV miniseries of it. It's a long time now. Hey, my references are all topical and timely, just like Learner and Low. <laughs> Started as a Harry Potter fanfic, plus there's some other fanfics that Claire may have borrowed from. Oh, well, again... There's not really a problem with taking uh, a fan fiction approach using archetypal characters um, and then building your world around them Um, and then, you know, making sure that it doesn't infringe anybody's copyright as it goes to publishing. That's actually kind of a pretty normal way, I would imagine, to come up with ideas and concepts and things like that. And so we do see it in Fifty Shades. We could see it with is Claire mortal instruments. I don't know. I apologize. Um, And so I don't know that there's a problem with that necessarily but it can cross lines uh, and you can get into fights. Uh, I must've walked away er uh, when we were talking about merch. Where is it? Someone earlier mentioned a sweater they received. So we still have the store that we used to have. The new store is basically done. It's pending some tax stuff and some international shipping stuff. Um, Always confusing when books or movies have the same title and you have to add publication year to distinguish. Yes, um, and there's stuff that's not protected there. Is it on the Hoglaw website. No, the new store is not up yet. It's not up yet, but we still have our old merch. It should be like right below this video, uh, if you're watching it. Uh, what else we have here? They're just talking about the store. Ha <laughs> Yes, City of Bones. I have no idea why that's in my head. I have never seen that movie, which is where I'm remembering it from. Uh, but I think I'm, I'm. I think Mortal Engines is the one with the cities that eat each other. <clears throat> um. How stupid was Netflix to just drop a licensing contract that is they made over a certain amount or went commercial? The writers pay royalties. Yeah, I think they didn't want to go through the legal process in the early stages. I don't know why. You'd have to ask them. Um, But I suspect they've got thousands and thousands and thousands of fan creations and they don't want their standard procedure to be. You have to go and sign even a non-commercial license with us that doesn't do anything except put in the trip wires. So, <coughs> excuse me, I'm losing my voice here. Um, uh, literally one paragraph could handle that. Yeah, no, I, I I get that, I get that, but I suspect it's just that not the way that they operated. They might change the way they operate after this. I don't know that we've ever seen anything that got this popular. I won a Grammy for Pete's sake. Um, so I suspect Netflix wasn't ready for that level of popularity and thought it would just kind of die off, right? I've definitely had conversations with clients where you say, well, here's the proper legal way to handle something. And they have said, well, um, we think it's just going to go away on its own. And and sometimes it's just going to go away on its own is the right call. Um, and so you can't really blame them for that. But the lawyers are designed to go in there and say, well, here are the bad things that could happen and tell them that. And now it's come to a federal lawsuit. <laughs> Um, which is in CNN, and it's in, in everywhere else. But I suspect that um, they just didn't think that it was going to be something that they really got worried about. Uh, wasn't Die Hard technically a sequel? I don't know. Does Die Hard have any kind of book basis? Hogan needs tea. I have tea. It's just my voice is giving out on me. Uh, what am I highlighting with? It's Weva. Yep, absolutely. I kind of get it. It sounds crass. If something doesn't make that much money, is it worth spending thousands on lawyers? No, it isn't. (laughs) If you think it's a marketing thing for you, it's exciting. It's not going to be anything that competes with us. It's bringing people into Bridgerton. It's going to go away. Then you don't do much of anything. And then it made into an album. And then it wins a Grammy. And then it's super popular on iTunes and Spotify. And then, and then, and then, and then. So you can see Netflix going, Okay, Um, from the Netflix side of things, they are taking advantage of the inches we have given them. And this is going to end with them putting on a Broadway play, right? Even in that TikTok quote we saw from today, the person that was upset was saying, we intend to go non-union union union, and then Broadway. Um, And it's like, well, okay. obviously, if you're putting on a Broadway production based on Netflix's dialogue for a show that they own. (laughs) Yeah. You would expect at that point that there's definitely a fight. So it's really just a matter of when you pick to have this fight. And Netflix chose right now as of the first live performance. And I can't say I blame them necessarily, but I could potentially blame them for the early stuff, which is like, why are you letting them have a Spotify? Why are you letting them make an album? Why are you doing these various things? You can get in front of it and they chose not to. And I do want to slap them on the wrist for that right? You basically tacitly allow these people to do these things and get delusions of grandeur or dreams of bigger things. And then you just picked your, your spot to knock those dreams down. It's like, well, hmm, okay. I think they deserve a slap uh, for that. Even if I think Netflix is probably in the right overall. And again, stealing the dialogue is the big, is the big one for me. Um, co-counsel's running out the door. We're finishing up this episode very shortly anyway. Um, I, I have to get on a work call of all things this early in the morning, but we got to do what we got to do, uh, to keep the lights on and everything else. And I think that basically does it for everybody. So folks, as I said earlier in the week, I do want to apologize, uh, but we will not be having hangouts and headlines next week. I actually don't know what kind of video production I'm going to be making. So you might have a week without Hoag. I have no idea. Uh, but I hope to get at least a couple of things up. Uh, next week as uh things happen uh in the news and whatnot. Uh, but I want to thank you all for being here on Casual Friday, hanging out with Bridgerton, talking about these various things, Harry Potter things and CDs and everything else. I also do want to once again mention we've got Lawyers and Dragons tomorrow at 10 a.m. That is the last time I will be live streaming for maybe a week because the Bitcast is also canceled on Sunday for other reasons. Um, and so please do come check it out with us. I'm really excited about what we've done. I'm excited about where things are going. We've got a lot of stuff working on in the background for Lawyers and Dragons, and it's been very nice to see a lot of people finding it throughout the week. Um, so I think that's a very cool thing for those videos. Uh, and so come check us out. We're going to have some more chat interactions, uh, with them interacting with the players, uh, some things to get excited about. Otherwise have a fantastic Friday, have a great next, uh, week. Uh, And I will see you sometime here in Virtual Legality. Love you all.